0: How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deschays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth.
1: Welcome and thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshays. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey, Jason. Hey,
2: Wendy. How are you?
1: I'm good. How you doing?
2: You know, pretty good. It's uh, as we're recording this, it's the Christmas spirit has risen here, and it's here and it's, uh, it's full in flux. I, I we went to the mall. I have never <laughs> I've in my time as a father, so ten years, I have never gone to the mall for Christmas shopping until this year. And how? It, how
1: is that possible?
2: Amazon, baby, Amazon and your your local uh, little shops and stuff.
1: So you've never uh, taken the kids to sit on Santa's lap?
2: No, they would be scared to death about that. <laughs> that would be that would not fly. My daughter is not a fan of mascots. So if you see her and we go to the Canes game, there's Stormy, who's a pig. She freaks out about oh, that's a Stormy. I- or wow. woolly bull from the Durham Bulls. Like, if it's a human, it's fine. But if it's an anthropomorphic animal, right. okay. not so cool on that.
1: I, I hate to have to be the one to break this to you, but Santa's human.
2: I know <laughs> that, but there's other things there, and she'd probably freak out because that's not a thing for us. Okay, so it's like, okay. Santa's not, we'll go. But okay. Gotcha. Anyway, I will say the crowds were nuts. Ones who would argue the economy, there was a lot of spending happening. Yeah. <laughs> There are plenty of bags and and credit cards being swiped. Oh, Uh, yeah.
1: It's just the season, right?
2: It's the season for some spending.
1: All right. So what do we have in store for today?
2: Well, we have our illustrious chief advisory officer, Dave McDougal, here today. And we're going to talk about something that I think that most people think about or have an idea that they want to do. But then it becomes like, well, I don't know how that works. And I'm not sure I want to do it, so they don't do it. And they're unhappy. And that's changing their financial advisor. And Dave, I I think you and I have both seen this. We've got people who have have come to us and and said, hey, I'm not really happy. This guy stuck me in something I didn't like, or they don't talk to me ever. But when you get to try and get them to move out of that situation, not always the easiest, because they have put up the guardrails of, oh, this is going to be really hard for me. To do,
3: yeah, that's that's absolutely you're spot on, and Jason. Happy to, uh, thanks for having me on. I uh, want to start off by saying that definitely happy to be here. I think I'm a uh, I'm a reoccurring guest, aren't
2: I? You're a repeat guest, time. which means
3: you didn't do bad the first go. So yeah, that's great. no, it took a little <laughs> while. It took a little while for you to invite me back, but you know, I'm I'm happy to be a reoccurring guest. But yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. I think um, sort of the laws of inertia sort of come into play. When really wanting to make sort of any any sort of big decisions, especially with making a big change, like who your financial advisor is, it happens. There could be some frustrations, you could not be happy, but making a switch of something that you've really had a lot of time into, you know, mm-hmm. some cost theory, all that, definitely definitely comes into uh, definitely comes into play there. So mean, yeah, I can definitely understand why it'd be difficult, but definitely a lot of reasons to switch. And, you know, we can hey. definitely talk about- Let's talk about that. It. All of that, yeah. Let's
2: talk about like, so what are the reasons you have heard are kind of the primary drivers for a change? When, when someone's someone's kind of complaining or they're like, ah, man, this isn't working for me. What are those primary reasons you hear th- of that discontent?
3: So I'd say the number one reason, and there's a lot of studies and yeah, we've seen it in the industry, the number one reason is communication. And it's both reactive and proactive communication because you definitely want One for both. So I always say that, you know, while we have a professional relationship with our clients, it really is one of the more intimate partnerships that you'll have with somebody. Your financial advisor knows everything about you. You know, you've shared personal information with them. You've shared personal identifiable information with them. They know a lot (laughs) about you, right? So... The communication and, and really having that partnership be two ways is extremely important. I think the number one reason is it's got, yeah, that all comes down to communication, you know, both on both ends. It's, you know, I really want someone that's going to be proactive and, and on, you know, have their, their finger on the pulse in terms of what's happening in the markets and different ideas and what's happening in Congress and what's happening with the IRS and all of that. And I want them to be aware of that. I want them to be making changes to my portfolio, at least communicating with me. And we have seen a lot of the times where even the reactive communication is not there. It takes a week for them to get back to me, and sometimes it's important things, sometimes it's urgent. So communication is is number one. You know, communicate. It, it is a a far number 1 to you know investment performance and all of that i mean I've, I've seen that in if the investment performance is is maybe not so great but it's you know the communication is there and you know that that's a that's a great partnership to have you know sometimes it's, you know the market's doing what it's doing and we got to stay the course but if you have somebody that is on top of what's going on in your world your financial goals and making sure that you're being communicated with that's when we've seen the partnership flourish
2: well, and and so that leans into the relational component of this, where the relationship has value, right? If you are Absolutely. understood and you're heard, and your history is known, that has a lot of weight to it. I think that allows for, as you'd mentioned, kind of weathering the storm when you have some need to like kind of pour in some emotional capital, whereas the market may be not performing well. You can talk through about the plan being on track, and this is what we kind of knew was going to happen, and lean into that versus just like, oh, yeah, I don't talk to you ever, and this is going bound, and you're just stressing out, and I don't care. It's so funny because I see people both on the advisory side for financial advisors, but also CPAs, where they're just like, what? They're there. And that right. momentum, and even though they really have a relationship, they refer to them as their guy, or they'll refer to their accountant, and it's like, do you know their name? And they don't all the time, yeah. which is I hear strange. That time.
3: That's my yeah. I got a guy. Yeah, I got a guy. My guy.
2: Yeah. It's it's bizarre because I hear people, and this is probably more on the CPA side than on the advisor side, but on the CPA side, there's like this, oh, I haven't heard from them forever. They're always late. And all these really kind of legit complaints, very legit complaints. But every year they keep going back. And oh, yeah. I think, I think part of it's, they don't know what's out there, right? Again, and they think it's a huge process and and maybe we can dispel that now. So Dave, if I go, Dave McDougall, I met with you. You seem stellar. I really think you're going to take good care, care of me. What does that process look like to move your stuff from Bob, the broker over here, who doesn't really give a rip to Dave McDougall, who's going to really invest in the relationship and, and then the person.
3: Absolutely, go to that, Jason. First, I want to say I appreciate your confidence in myself and my abilities. And my <laughs> thank Very you, awesome. thank you, Dave. Uh, it's, it's
2: well deserved. Uh, well deserved.
3: Uh, so yeah, so it, 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 the process is actually pretty, uh, pretty, pretty simple, depending on who you're working with. So if you're working with a sort of a fee only or fee based investment advisory firm, so that's going to be a invite that's going to be a wealth advisor that you are paying either a flat fee for. Or you're paying an assets under management fee for you know based on the assets that you have there's a percentage of your assets that's that's the fee that you're that you're paying if you're working with an advisor like that most most are the sort of the separation is fairly simple and the reason why that is you're not you're not signing the contract like clients don't sign contracts with us um they can come and go as they please well they can go as they as they please coming on is a little bit of a of a process there because we want to make sure that we are doing it right but you know, they can you can leave your financial advisor. And you know, typically what happens is you, know, you leave, you get a proration back for the fee. Again, you're not signing a contract, you don't need to sign anything. If you are gonna leave a financial advisor, always just state that, you know, it's a good sort of a courtesy just to give them a call, shoot them an email, let them know, and maybe give them a reason why. I think everybody wants to know why. I would be lying if I said I've never lost a client in my 15 years of doing this. And it's always it's good just to know why, uh, you know, we always want to be better. I know that everyone here at, at Cookwells and Jason, you're you're in that same boat. We we want to know how our clients are feeling. And if there's a, a reason why they've left, we want to know why we want to have, you know, it's a learning moment for us. So I'll just let them know, you know, let them know. And give. again, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate, one or two reasons and, and, and what you're thinking and you can go on your way. And more often than not, they're not going to try to get you to stay. You know, they're not going to try to, you know, keep you around or anything like that. They're going to, you know, appreciate it you know, if, if, when you're leaving your advisor, typically you're going to have, you know, your statements. And if it's a CPA, you're going to have your last, you know, a couple years of tax returns. If you don't, it's no issue with asking, say, Hey, can I get a couple, you know, can I get my last statement with the CPA? Can I get my last two years of tax returns? You know, ask for those documents, cause that's going to help the process of moving your, moving your assets easier. And then, you know, from there it's working with the other, other advisor to get, you know, your assets moved and to get all of your information in their system. And that's done that's done by the other advisor. There's nothing that you need to do. You might need to do a docu sign, sign something electronically, but yeah. you know, it's a it's a simple process to move everything over.
2: But on the new on the new advisor side, it's usually some paperwork to open the equivalent yeah. accounts, so if you have to open an IRA, a Roth IRA and yeah. a traditional brokerage account, then you create those and then there's a process, an ACAT that moves those funds over so it gets exp- yeah. it just rolled in and there's, yep. you should be no consequences to that from a tax yeah. because you're not selling anything you're just transferring those same positions to a different custodian.
3: So yeah, it's a really good point. So, you know, we are very much leaning into technology most advisors are. So to open up a new account, move everything over, it's typically electronic. If you know if you if you prefer, you know, pen and paper, then that that's fine too, but but yeah, you're absolutely correct. So it's, you know, mostly DocuSign open up a new account, move everything over. Now, to move accounts over, Even if it's a 401k, an IRA, anything like that, even if you're rolling over a 401k into an IRA, that's when you move money from an employer sponsored plan and an old company, you move it to an IRA. That is a reportable event in your taxes, but it is not a taxable event. So these changes are non taxable events unless there's only one reason why that would happen. And if for some reason the new company that you're going with is on a platform that can't hold a certain investment, it might need to be sold. But that is something that is going to be told to you up front. It is something that you're going to be aware of. And if there's tax implications, that's something that your advisor should be talking mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So,
2: the, so that form for our audience who may not be savvy with every tax form for those rollovers between a 401k or an IRA into a different one. That's a 1099R. It's got this code, mm-hmm. usually code G, that just so says, G. hey, this is not taxable, but we have to report it, that this, got, yep. this left from one place to the other.
3: Yes, that's a good point, Jason. If you get a tax form in the mail and it's a 1099, you said this is a non-taxable event, you look at box seven, and if there's a G in it, then you're good to go. It's a reportable event, but it's a non-taxable event. Yeah,
2: And that's important to make sure you put that on there because while that form will theoretically tell the IRS it's a rollover, you got to make sure it gets on your tax return just because there's a matching process the IRS does to make sure the forms they get match the tax return they received. Now, to the point of the Positions that can't be moved. Yeah, those are what we've seen. At least what we've seen, I think, is like a lot of those are um, either some proprietary money market funds. Yeah. Maybe a few specific funds and generally has minimal tax implications. But it's important to talk through that just to make sure you don't have something that... Triggers $100,000 a game that was just in some sp- uh, fancy fund there that you can't move out of there.
3: And these are these are big <laughs> deals too. I mean, it's a big deal. So, you know, in terms of what the tax implications are to you know, so you really should be working with an advisor. You really should be working with an advisor that does some sort of tax planning. Um, what I'll also say is if you've been with your other advisor for a while, if you can believe it, the companies were only required to start tracking cost basis. So that's what you bought an investment for. Since two thousand eight, which again, it's crazy to think two thousand eight was
2: 15, you know, years ago, but- fifteen years ago. But
3: years ago, right, uh, was fifteen years ago. But it's only been it's again only been fifteen years. So if you were, you know, let's say that you started with your, you know, the other firm twenty years ago, and you bought some funds twenty years ago or some investments, it was actually on you to track the cost basis. So there's a chance that it is not there. Right, so that before you go ahead and and you move everything over, work with your other advisor. Make sure that you know for taxable accounts, that's non-retirement accounts, that what you bought those investments for the cost basis is on the statement or it's documented somewhere. Because once you move it, it'll come over as it almost looks like you bought it for zero dollars, which we don't want. Yeah, and the other firm they can at least do some research and figure out when you bought it, and we can get a general idea of what that what that cost basis is. So I would just again, that is always something that you want to make sure of.
2: We uh, it re- literally just saw that two days ago uh, where there was some individual positions in a taxable account, which just said missing basis, contact us, please. And yeah. they were spin off of something, which that uh, advisor could probably go track down. Yeah, they can do We're going to have to like make some assumptions of it and figure out, okay, well, let's go back and find an old statement. And that's not the best situation. And I think that's, again, as part of the items you want to transition out is you want to make sure you get those gain loss statements that show, hey, what's my basis Just make sure it all comes over well. Because, you know, as much as technology has been great and, and facilitates these things, sometimes something doesn't come over right. Yep. And so it's good to have the, the documentation. It also shows what was it done for the first part of the year. So if you transfer mid-year, you want to make sure you capture, oh, yeah, I have a bunch of realized gains that happened last year or realized losses that you can then plan for on the back half of the year. And we've done that where we've made some positional shifts within the portfolio because the uh, in, in this case it was the prior advisor wasn't really investing it appropriately for the specific client or the kind of model that they would have. I mean this person ended up with 512 individual positions have one share each. That, yeah. And you're like, he's like, I don't know why my 1099 is 380 pages, but it's pretty fat. I'm like, yeah well, that's wise because you're getting four right. dividends from things you have one share of. but it's important to know that, how that comes in there, because there, there'll probably be some shifts, which then, hey, did they have some stuff earlier that we can leverage so we can make that shift a little easier yep. and we spread that over a couple of years just so we don't have to rip the bandage off? Every advisor has got their own model. And it's and really right. important as you're interviewing those advisors, whether it's us or someone else, that you understand how they invest. And I, I've been really surprised with the number of people who have become clients of ours from various... RAAs and large retail brokerages where they literally had no clue the style that they were operating right. on. They just, so they did, did stuff. And all yeah. of a sudden you're like, well, where this all work. Well, my know, guy invested my money. My guy. Yeah. My guy. Yeah. And same with their tax year. I don't know. They just did it and they, they filed it. And they don't really have a sense of right. what the heck is happening here. So it's really good just to, to as you're, as you're going out the door make sure you grab as much as you can just so that way yep. in case you transition and that someone's going to make some changes, they have the full picture that they're working with.
3: I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And knowing sort of how the accounts are invested in, in your sort of your former advisor's philosophy and then your new advisor's philosophy is very important. So I talked about a little bit earlier about if you're working with a fee-only advisor uh, such as ourselves or you know, someone that's charging a, a fee based on the assets that you have, typically moving Things, moving assets over is 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 fine. You're not signing a contract. There are a lot of firms out there though that uh, whether it's through an insurance company or um, through all these, these various companies, they um, you actually might be invested in an insurance contract, typically in an annuity. Mm-hmm. And these annuities come with what they call surrender charges, essentially meaning that if you do not have your assets in these annuities for a certain period of time, they take a percentage. And I've seen as high as 12%. Wow. 12%. That's now. So that is something you definitely want to make sure your new advisor knows because if they go ahead and just get you out of that annuity, you could be out, you all of a sudden take a 12% haircut. Right off the top, that's not, that's definitely not something that you that you want to do. So definitely be aware of what those are, and your advisor should be able to look. Your new advisor should you know should be able to look at that account and, and see what it is and be able to sort of articulate that to you. So that that's extremely extremely important.
2: There there's also some sometimes smaller fees. I mean, twelve percent is almost like widow kind of money that you know take your knees out right. kind of thing. Right. But there's some other small charges sometimes you deal with, perhaps a closing account. Yeah. Sometimes four hundred and one k's. Well, it's to pay on the four one k provider. They'll maybe charge a small fee. Just close the account and, and shuttle it. Some are free. It's a reporting it's, fee, Jason. Yeah, they it's have a to report. yeah, reporting fee. Got to yeah. send that one ten to nine. Um, right, but it's it's one of those things. Just being aware of it. It doesn't make it not logical to do, but just be aware of it. So you're surprised that there, there always could be a fee for some of those larger platforms where they have to yeah. move you off of it into something else. But usually from a, say, uh. Fee based to fee based, or fee only, that should be a relatively inexpensive or non-existent cost, to other than just the, your time to then execute some more paperwork and everything rolls over.
3: Yeah, exactly. And again, it's you know I've seen maybe fifty bucks for a four hundred and one k to send out, you know, do the rollover or a couple. You know, I've seen a hundred dollars, something like that, to go ahead and close out a fee. Typically, also, you know, talk to your other advisor. Um, I'm I'm not going to guarantee that they will, but a lot of times that's that's a reimbursable fee as well um you know you're moving over and we, we keep talking about all of these reasons you know why to how to move and everything like that and there's a, a big part of it that we talked about before it's inertia you're working with somebody mm-hmm. full time some cost whatever you want to call it i would always just if you're thinking about it at the end of the day it is your money it's your financial plan it's your life it's your family's life and you can make the decision that's best for 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 everyone that's in your world Um, And I think a lot of the times we've talked to clients who've been frustrated for a long time. Yeah. And it's, why didn't you make a change earlier? And it's, it's sometimes it's hard to do it, but I would always, always think that way.
2: Well, the other thing I would say about that too, is that on, let's say you do make the decision and you go, okay, I'm done with this situation. I'm ready to move on. You do move on. It's really important to have a clear set of expectations on the front end with that new advisor. Oh yeah. It's, it's you know, what the last person did doesn't matter you're in a different boat so if, i've heard it mostly on the mostly on the tax side where they're like well my last guy used to be able to say i could write that off well i mean you're not the, i'm not the last guy right. uh, the advisor you usually hear a lot of the, well he used to like putting things in uh, interest rate swaps and da da." it you can you, it's really important that if you have expectations about communication or uh, how many connection points you're going to have Right. When, how much notification you get. So a lot of the accounts we have, we have discretion on. So we can go buy and sell as we need to. But some clients want to just know a heads up. It's going to, they're going to get a trade confirmation. Or they want a heads up when there's going to be something that involves some sort of triggering of gain. Not usually losses. So it's rebalanced, to take the capital losses. But what, it's just important that if you have a sense of expectation to say it and have an open conversation on the front end of the relationship, because then you can deliver upon that if you don't talk about it and you just kind of sit there and stew, you will probably end up in a similar position with the new advisor 10 years later or five years later when you've been kind of like upset about it all and never said anything. And now you're finally done. You're going to move again.
3: Yeah, that's a great point. And Jason, I'll also say that if your new advisor is not asking those questions of how often you want to be communicated and kind of what you expect out of the partnership, that might be a little bit of a red flag as well. And a lot of these, uh, in terms of communication, we talked about that a lot, because that's the number one reason why you leave, you feel slighted. A lot of companies, including ourselves, are implementing what we call service calendars. And it's when we are very intentional about what we do, at what time in the year, when we do it, and who we do it for. Everything from, obviously, we do your taxes at the beginning of the year, right? Gotta get hopefully. Not not
2: saying November. Let's let's hope hope we
3: don't have to extend a lot of people. But you know, mid year we're doing estate plan reviews. At the end of the year we're doing end of the year tax planning. We're doing a tax rejection halfway through the year. We're talking about your cash flow at the beginning of the year. We're talking about your investment strategy at the beginning of the year. So you know, okay, I know I'm going to get at least four or five touch points every year. It's going to be during this quarter. I'm going to talk this. We're going to talk this. You sort of know, okay, I'm in a great cadence with my advisor. And uh, they're going to at least talk to me at least five times a year. And also know that, you know, if something else comes up in the meantime, I can go ahead and shoot them an email. I can give them a call. So if your advisor, your, your new advisor should be talking to you about that. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, you should ask, do you have a service calendar? When do you talk to me? When are you intentional about it? A lot of companies are we are. And I think that's a, that's sort of where the sort of the service model in our industry is going and that's something that every I think every client should be afforded, and they deserve.
2: I love the service calendar concept is just a good one because I think it's level sets between advisor and client. Certain things are happening because there is a lot in the financial planning process which is not necessarily in your face, right? Yeah, a lot
3: of behind the scenes stuff.
2: Absolutely. A lot of behind the scenes stuff, and and not everyone wants to get an email every time. That by the way, I looked at this thing for you, and I decided nothing was nece- was necessary yeah. at the time, or you right. don't need more life insurance yet. We'll we'll talk to you when you do. Because I think people will inherently go, well, I'm, I don't want to think about this. this is why I hired you don't keep putting this back on me. Yeah. So I think if if it's important that you hear about some of that stuff, it's really good to say that. It's just not. It's not going to serve you well as a as a client. It's not going to serve the advisor well. Just really good, clean expectations are always a really good thing. So absolutely, I um, Mr. McDougall. As we close, what is the one thing you want to kind of like? Kind of end our with our audience, and just in this process of I want to switch my advisor from someone I've had to someone different. What's the thing that you want to leave with our audience of that that about that process?
3: Yeah. So what I would say is that I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier is that I mean maybe it's because of what I what I do for for work, but I, I truly believe that hiring a financial advisor, who you hire and who you partner with, is one of the m- most important decisions that you're going to make sort of one of the biggest partnerships aside from, you know, your, your personal relationships. It's, it's a very important one. I would always keep in the back of your mind. This is my money. This is my financial plan. This is mm. my family. This is my legacy. This is what I want to do because I would hope that this is a longstanding decades long relationship. And if little it's not, it's a, it's, it's okay every year. And you're kind of wanting a little bit more that adds up over a long period of time. So I would say that always keep that in the back of your mind. It is it is your money. It is your plan. It's your family that's at stake there. And I would just make sure that you know if you are going to make the decision, do what's best for you. Make sure you know again. I would always ask that you use the courtesy of, of telling your uh, your old advisor why you're leaving. Give them a, give them a reason so they can they can learn from it. But you know you got to make the decision what's what's best for you regardless of how long you've been with them regardless of you know how awkward it is because it is you're breaking up with somebody and it's kind of what what's happening but I would say that you know always sort of keep that in mind and do what's best for you and then you know if you just do if you do decide to make the the shift and you're going to another advisor ask your questions what's your investment philosophy you know what's your communication strategy how often you can be communicating with me what are your credentials you know that's that's important too I think it's very important to work with a CPA a C- CFP somebody that, you know, has knowledge mm-hmm. of the industry, you know, making sure that you're aware of all of that, making sure that they they sort of meet your needs and they understand you, they see you and they align with a lot of your philosophies and your views and your values. And then they, they'll they make, again, I know we do. I'm I'm sure advisors are the same way. They'll make the, the they'll make the, uh, the switch as, as painless for you as possible.
2: Yeah, I agree. Well, Dave, I think you did good again. So we'll, uh, same, we'll dude. repeat you. We'll let you come back again. Man, I'm Maybe excited. A I'm excited shorter for my period period third time. Last go around, so you know we'll make sure it happens. This uh, sometimes I think here.
3: I think it goes from reoccurring guest to then friend of the podcast. I think. Is no, friend of the, the podcast, third, Dave
2: McDougall. <laughs> when I'm third, I'll be
3: Dave McDougall, friend of the podcast. I'm very excited. I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn.
2: There you go, friend <laughs> of podcast.
1: There we go. <laughs> good job, good job. So, Thanks. Jason, if people have questions about today's episode or anything, uh, how do they get in touch with you?
2: They can go to cookwealth.com slash podcast. And then they can call our office 919-784-9100.
1: Okay. Thank you guys. Thank and you. Thank you for listening today. Please like follow and share this podcast with your friends until next time. I'm Wendy McConnell.
0: Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group LLC is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission.